my friends, what's going on? Welcome once again to the Everyday Missionary Podcast, episode 259. And today, today is a unifier. Today is a day where I want to build some bridges and I want to get into the topics that bring us together, right? Because there are things that divide us. We're divided over as a turkey or ham for Christmas. We're divided over boxers and briefs. We're divided over like what your sports teams are. We're divided over all sorts of things, favorite colors, favorite foods, best ice cream, you name it, we divide over it. But what brings us all together is politics. Why not talk about the thing that brings us all together? Because we know when you go on social media or you turn on the news, everybody's on the same page. It's the best part about being an American, right? What warms all of our hearts is our single-minded devotion to what we think politically, right? Wrong. So why not pick something that's super divisive today like that topic? But I'm going to go down a certain angle in this because we're just a little under two weeks away from the midterm elections. Uh, by now, maybe some of you have already voted uh, or you're preparing to vote or whatever else and you're trying to figure that stuff out. And I'm here to not convince you of anything when it comes to that topic. I'm not even here to hint at you what I think you should do with your ballot. But I do want to talk about some things that come out in these seasons that I think is really valuable for us as everyday missionaries. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of different things, but it all comes back to that. All right. And Part of the reason I I, I kind of like these seasons and I like to deal with these topics on the podcast is because I I think it's a wonderful barometer to test how how much our faith actually informs our daily thinking and our daily living and what we prioritize, right? Like that's what I appreciate about this because I think there's two layers to Christianity. There's belief and behavior. And belief is the given, right? Belief is like, hey, we believe uh, in the Trinity. We believe in the Bible. We believe these certain doctrinal ideas. We believe when it comes to the Bible, it's the word of God. It's the truth of God. It's infallible and errant. We have all these fun labels that we apply to it to talk about how much we're defending the truth and everything else. Uh, And that's the belief side. But the behavior side is, do we then do what it says? Do we actually act on what we affirm in the content of the Bible? Or do our behaviors... Are they driven by other things? Maybe they're sometimes out of alignment with the Bible. And so we are a people of a platitude faith, right? Like we go, hey man, I say all the right things about the Bible over here and I affirm it for what it is as the truth of God. But then there's these other compelling factors that cause my behaviors to be a little bit out of alignment with my belief. And I think elections and what we think on policies and what we prioritize in these times can reveal some of that. And so I don't come to the table today with the joy of just trying to bug people. Like in the day, I used to love to be provocative. I thought it was really, really kind of fun. I like to kind of poke a little bit at the the things you shouldn't poke at. I'm like, ooh, there's the button that says don't push. We've got to push that three times, right? Like, Like that certainly has been some of my history. But I'm trying to move into the phase of the sage, all right? So I'm trying to be less jerkish and less difficult, right? Because I, I don't want to take a bunch of joy in bugging people. I would rather take a lot of joy in making us at least try to think through more like what does Christ likeness look like in the world, right? Not just Christianity, 
but Christ-likeness. And I think that's another podcast I'm, I'm going to do. Like, I think there is increasingly a difference between Christianity and Christ-likeness. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but but I, I I think sometimes when you you get into so much of the Christian ecosystem, uh, after a while, there's certain rules within the Christian ecosystem that are not stuff that Jesus said or emphasized or pushed or even cared about, but it's all in the system. And sometimes you got to kind of pry out of the system and be like, oh yeah, let's just get back to what Jesus talks about for a minute. Let's start with that base. Let's put on the lens of reading the Bible through the eyes of Jesus. And then from that, maybe we'll we'll refine some things and tweak some things and, and, and maybe even in that, just have a little bit more closer growth toward kind of an intimacy with Christ that is transformative to the world around us. And so that's a part of what all growth is. And so we'll get into that maybe in some other podcasts. But today, I, I kind of wanted to talk about this belief versus behavior because I think when we start to look at some of the data points that are coming out in uh, how evangelical conservative theologically Christians vote or what they prioritize in the list of things that they prioritize, it seems that things that should be high on our list are low on our list. And the things that should be really low on the list are at the top of the list. And and that's the part that kind of freaks me out a little bit. So uh, I'm going to put on my reading specs here uh, because I have the report in front of me. Uh, but let me scroll up to the top of it. This is from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Uh, and the title of this uh, particular polling project is America's Values Study Report Number 3, Issues of Influence. The economy is hot. Religious freedom and environment are not. Gotta love that title. Uh, this is actually by the Barna Group. So if you've ever heard of Barna, uh, they do all kinds of polling, they write books, they they give us a lot of information about just the culture in general, and then they try to drill down into Christians uniquely and all of that. Uh, and so they came out with this report, it came out on October 20th, uh, just knowing that the elections were coming up, they wanted to kind of deal with, hey, how are you going to vote? this particular election cycle. So they had a comparative influence of issues for the November vote. Uh, and so they were polling, looks like 2,275 U.S. adults. And I think it's 21 issues in total. So uh, the list of issues are religious freedom, environmental policies, foreign policy and military defense, income inequality and distribution, government size, authority, performance, national morality, changing values, mental health, unifying America, immigration, border security, addressing poverty and homelessness, racism, discrimination and tolerance, uh, quality of public school education, government spending, abortion rights, jobs and unemployment, protection against terrorism, health insurance and health care, crime, policing and personal safety, oil and gasoline prices, food prices and shortages, and in inflation and rising cost of living. Yes, I know that was a really fast, long laundry list. And you're like, I don't, it sounded like you had 37 things in there, Matt, not 21. Well, I know some of these are kind of bundled together, but it's 21 line items basically. And then from that, they went in to look at all kinds of different elements of this. And so they, throughout the report, and I would encourage you to go read the report. It's going to be way better than what I'm doing here. As far as like, if you really wanted to dig into the data, and see for yourself kind of what all this stuff is saying. Uh, it's it's really pretty interesting, right? But they broke it down into, you know, they, they asked questions based on religious identification. So are you Christian? Are you other? Are you nothing? Are you born again or not born again? Are you, are you an evangelical? Or are you just a Protestant? Are you a Catholic? Are you mainline, you know, ask those kinds of questions. Um, asked if you have a biblical worldview or not, if you're conservative or liberal on the theological spectrum, uh, what your sources of your primary moral guide, what your party identification is, how you self-identify ideologically, are you moderate, are you conservative, are you liberal? So all of that's in here, right? 
right? Uh, and then they're kind of breaking that data point down and they're coming up with like, okay, here's how people seem to be then prioritizing their vote for this next election cycle. So in this report, uh, there's a lot of places that, that I could kind of like look to. I could look to the born again category, for example, or I could look at the theologically conservative category and get a sense of things. This is where you want to go and look, because again, they all tell different stories in different ways. But if I was to try to simplify this report, what it comes down to for us that are more on the theologically conservative, uh, born again, Christian worldview kind of column, right? There's all kinds of different columns. And also in this, I'm going to say white, (laughs) white, conservative, uh, evangelical, Protestant, all of that. And I know that bothers people sometimes because they're like, I'm colorblind. No, that's not true. We're not colorblind. We all see color and we all should see color. And in this, what it also reveals is that black Christians and white Christians do vote differently. Uh, and the things that black Christians care about are different than the things that white Christians care about. And so when people get a little chap sometimes about, I'm sick and tired of hearing about how the white evangelical votes and how the white evangelical this and the white evangelical that and this is just reverse discrimination and no it's just the data shows that we're a, a, a pod of a voting block that's pretty consistent and and um, how we vote and the issues seem to all be the same for white evangelical conservative theologically Christians right like we all tend to go that way and and the bigger question would always be like why like why is it that the black Christians vote one way and the white Christians vote another way. Is there some kind of secret handshake and we're all just sending memos to one another? Like, don't forget, we're all voting the same way here in 2022. But I think what it is, is we live in these ecosystems, right? So we live in a conservative evangelical church context. It's predominantly white. And in that, we all sort of kind of have the same flavor of life and we're breathing kind of the same air of priority. And then from that, we tend to all kind of group up in how we vote as much as for the black community, they do the same thing. So number one on the list of the black Christian community is racism, discrimination, and intolerance. It's number one. They go, this is the thing that we will drive through the grid every time, right? For the white conservative evangelical Christian it's not in the top five, right? It's not even there, you know? Where it ranks after number five, we don't know because the data only went one through five as far as all these different groups. They just said, rank the top five for you. I just know that for us, we didn't put that in our top five. Um, On one column, we might've put it as number five, depending on how you understand the terminology that's being asked there. But when you compare it against all the other data points of conservative and born again, everything else, not in our top five, right? And and that just kind of highlights, again, this reality that, you know, like I think about uh, when, uh, what's her name, Bobert out of Colorado, I'm forgetting her first name for the life of me, but she talked about how like the church should uh, run the country, you know? And I'm like, uh, first of all, no, I don't think the church should run the country. But second, which church do you want to run the country? Do you want the black church to run the country? Or do you want the white church to run the country? Because if the black church ran the country, this would be the number one issue that they would tackle, right? And the white church ran the country, it wouldn't even be in the top five issues that we tackle, right? So it's kind of like, which church do you want to run the country? It's just kind of a fun thing. Um, so that's a sidebar, freebie for listening. If I didn't lose you by now, uh, good, that's great. But anyway, there's something I was thinking about on that one. So Anyway, when it comes to 
us? What do we seem to care about? What can we learn from? What can we grow from and everything else? Well, the top five things, starting with number five, and this is where I'm just looking at, again, kind of the theologically conservative listing. I could also look at the born again listing, but they're somewhat similar. Number five, we care about crime, policing, and personal safety. Uh, Number four, we care about uh, immigration and border security. Number three, we care about oil and gasoline prices. Uh, number one and number one, we tied for first on this one, rising inflation uh, and food prices and shortages. So basically what it actually is coming down to for us, like our particular tribe, the top three things we care about are money related. They're fiscally related somehow. And then uh, number four is we don't want the border to be porous. And number five, we want to make sure we're personally safe and police officers are in place and everything else. I'm a fan of police and police officers and everything like that. That's not the question there. Uh, But I, I couldn't help but go of all of the things in the listing. These are the top five things that are going to drive how we vote. And I just thought of those five things, how much of these are priority to Jesus or how much uh, of those things Jesus said, I want you to prioritize, right? Uh, and and uh, are there other things in the list where I go, he told us to prioritize those things and they're not in our top five, right? They may not even be in our top 10 or our top 15, you know, like some of the ones fell toward the very bottom and they took all the aggregate and they measured everybody liberal and disbelieving and believing everything else. You know, the list were pretty interesting. Everybody seems to care about money. My thing is it's odd that it's the Christian's that seem to care so deeply about the money too. And here's why I say this, and I wanna be clear about this. I'm not saying, hey, we should love a bad economy. That's not my point. Um, my thing is, what should motivate us to want a good economy, all right? And, and I think about this in Matthew chapter six, right? So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount deposits a, a pretty big chunk of time to money, right? So in chapter six, it takes up about half the chapter. Um, and and it's bookended by a couple of things. And so he kind of starts off and he says, hey man, don't store up on earth, store up in heaven. So it, and, and here's where I get into this belief versus behavior, right? Because we'll all look at the Sermon on the Mount and say, oh, it's one of the most po- profound, powerful things you'll ever read ever in any location, but it's in the Bible. And it's like Jesus's new Mount Sinai. Like these are the marching orders that he gives. And then in this, he gives this really, really big chunk. And he says, hey, listen, I'm just telling you point blank, don't store up on earth, store up in heaven. But even right there, we're like, well, he doesn't really mean that you can store up on earth, but also you want to store up in heaven. So we are already start tinkering with the wording. Uh, it's okay to store up on earth, you know, just just also give some to heaven, you know, kind of thing. And even in Luke, he says, hey, man, there's this dude, he built barns and then bigger barns and then bigger barns for the stuff in his smaller barns. And and the whole story is told us, told us like a warning. Like, Don't be a big old, bigger barn builder, dude. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not what we're here in this life to do. So he starts off by saying, don't store up on earth where stuff just destroys it. Store up in heaven, right? Because it's not secure on earth is this point. You think it's savings that are going to save us. It's not savings that are going to save us. It's not securities that are going to secure us. This is, you know, but we even call those things savings and securities. And it's like, we're already kind of like putting faith in things that aren't really there. Like they're so fragile, but, but he says that, right? And then he says, here's the deeper problem though. Um, God and money are always competing, They're always competing for your affections and they're competing even more deeply than just your affections for your faith. So do you put your faith more in God to take care of you and provide for you? Or do you put your faith in money to take care of you and provide for you? And then he says, so let's go a step further. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink 
or what you'll wear. He says, don't worry about tomorrow and the implications of how money may or may not impact your life. Don't worry about any of that. In fact, if you want to really be preoccupied, seek first the kingdom and its righteousness or its judgment or justice. That's righteousness, judgment, and justice are all kind of synonym there. Focus on that and everything else is going to be taken care of, right? Like that's the thing you want to care about. So I take that and I go, then it seems odd that what we are most prioritizing for our vote this year is money, money, money. And then after that, our personal security. Uh, and then after that, uh, what was the, oh, security at the border and security in our communities, right? Like, so what we care about is our safety and our monetary thriving. Now, if we said, I care about security and monetary thriving for the least of these, I care about security and monetary thriving for the disenfranchised, for the impoverished, for the widow and the orphan, for the homeless situation. You know, I want others thriving because again, you know, I come from a place of some level of privilege. I'm not looking for more privilege for myself or to secure my privilege, but rather I want to see others thrive. I want to see others be more secured. I want to see more justice overall and equality overall in my society because again, I'm called to care for that. I'm called to be a peacemaker. I'm called to be a giver. I'm care called to care about the fact that I want thriving and flourishing throughout my community, not just for my little corner of the world, but for everybody around me, especially the ones that have a much harder time than I do, then those are really noble reasons to want to care about economics, for example. But if it's just like, hey man, I don't want to pay more taxes. I'm tired of six bucks at the pump. I wanted to take a road trip and now holidays are just expensive. And like, if it's just all about me here now, I think that's revealing that what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 and what we're kind of caring about are misaligned, right? Like that's kind of the misalignment. And so part of this, I just look at, and I'm not trying to wag finger as much as I'm wanting to just kind of think, to do a little bit of internal exploration of why do I care about the things that I do? If I'm caring about them because I'm caring about others, that's really healthy. If I'm caring about it mainly because I just care about me, that's not healthy. Not from a Christian kingdom, Jesus-oriented perspective. It's That's not a healthy perspective because the thing we're called to is to give ourselves away. The thing we're called to is selflessness. The thing we're called to is sacrifice in some capacity because what we're wanting to do is say, hey, man, I, I want to be the resource of the rising tide. I want all the ships to come up because that's what I'm how I'm kind of investing my life into the world to raise the tide for other people, right? So that's part of it. So what we show as our priority system in the way we will vote here in 2022, apparently, it just, at least it risks the idea that what's most important to us is money, right? And what the reason it may be most important to us is because we go, hey, a bad economy is a bad life. Uh, or if we have a bad economy, everything's going to fall apart. And I'm worried about the economy. I'm scared about the economy. I'm I'm frightened about what the Fed's going to do next and everything else. And, and again, I bring it back where Jesus is like, why are you afraid of monetary stuff? Like when you signed up to me, you you knew that, hey man, I told you, don't worry about that stuff. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about those things. Don't worry about that money. The only reason you're going to worry about it is if maybe you trust it more than you trust me. Maybe you idolize it more than you really submit to me because that was the problem always in the Old Testament, right? Like I, I, I always like to come back around to talking about idols in the Old Testament because I think we we misunderstand how they functioned. 
when uh, Israel would always take on idols and Yahweh, they weren't ditching Yahweh and then just replacing Yahweh with idols. They were saying it's Yahweh plus idols. You needed multiple gods. So you needed the crop God and you needed the cattle God and you needed the rain God and and then you needed Yahweh, right? Like, And so they would take on these idols to basically ensure their security and their safety and their prosperity, right? And so they're like, God's not enough to secure all those things. So we need God plus these things to make me secure. And that's always the thing I think about in these kinds of data points and these kinds of polls where I go, we say we believe God's in control. We say we don't believe money is our savior. We don't believe money is our solution. But then when the kind of the grits hit the skillet, we go, but you know, what's most important in this list is kind of the money. Number one, number two, number three. And then my security at the border and at home is number four, number five. And I can't help but look at Jesus in his message where he's like, man, I talked a lot about money and I talked a lot about personal safety and security. And what I said and what you're worried about are not quite the same thing in the ways that we could be on the same page, right? But then there's another thing that I found telling in this whole thing, and it's the stuff that we didn't prioritize. So I found it interesting like that, that we didn't prioritize things like, um, weirdly enough, uh, religious freedom was not something we prioritized, which is kind of funny, you know, um, in the sense of like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of religious freedom personally, like, or what I mean by this is like, I, I don't like that I need to demand it. It's like, it's there and it should be there for everybody, right? Like that, that part is totally cool with me. Like, let's make sure that true religious freedom is there, but I'm not fighting for that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, Jesus is like, hey, you're going to get persecuted. And when you get persecuted, you're not supposed to run around saying, hey, but I have religious liberties, you know? It's just like, just be persecuted and let that be the, the way you display the power of the gospel. Because it seems persecution was a big way that Jesus said people get saved, right? Like they watch us suffer well, and they get saved. But when we complain about suffering, when we worry about money, when all those things, it's like, why would you want our faith? It doesn't seem to have any more advantage in the world as far as being able to stand up against the weight of hardship. If we sound like we're the most freaked out when there's hardships, who'd want that? You know what I mean? It's like, whatever. It's just, you got a bunch of rules and I have to go on Sunday morning and I have to give my money to the church. And I still have as many problems and worries and fears and phobias and frustrations as anybody else. And I go, no, man, it's when we suffer well. That's so compelling. Like when I see suffering well, I'm like that, I admire that. And that's where I sometimes always feel like we're trying to escape any kind of suffering. And I go, we're missing out on gospel, which is in part why I think Christianity is shrinking so much in our culture. It's like, you know, the compelling parts that I think really make the gospel flourish, we're almost trying to ensure that we don't have to face those. And so we're just almost like shooting ourselves in the foot, which is really, really tragic to me because I think it is it is when we weather well and we don't complain and we don't gripe and we have a smile on our face and we're loving our enemies and we're doing good to them and praying for them. And, you know, we're not getting sucked into all of the stuff, but man, we're just above it and we're content in Christ. Philippians chapter four, like, man, that stuff gets me excited. I can get pumped about that. But when I see us just trying to shortcut everything because we don't want to face any of those things, I'm like, that's when the gospel withers in a society because they're not seeing the power of the gospel on display in the lives of people, right? So anyway, there's my soapbox for a second. But weirdly enough, religious freedom was up at the top of the list. Kind of okay with that, but it was just strange to me. It stood out like, wow, we put money before religious freedom. That's funny. Um, or maybe not funny. Maybe that's irony, right? Uh, let's see what else. Uh, health insurance and healthcare. Um we don't put that high on the list because we're like, hey, we have our own. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of people that don't. 
and I'm like, Jesus was like the ultimate healer, you know, like that, that should be, we can debate how we get to that, right? Like, so I want to be clear. I'm not trying to say, hey, here's the policy that we all should embrace to make it happen. But as Christians, we should all care about like, listen, everybody, we should want to come up with a way that everybody can get that kind of need met because Jesus was on display with that very heart. And he's like, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. That's on the final exam, right? So what we do to the least of these is how we're really seeing Jesus. And so some of the other things in the list I think are really interesting as far as like addressing poverty and homelessness. It's not in our top five, but for Jesus, it's definitely in the top five. It's definitely there, right? And and so there's no question on that. Uh, the border, where we probably care about the border is securing it. But Jesus is a big fan of the the whole heart of the Old Testament, which was like, look out for the foreigner, look out for the sojourner, look out for the person that's in your land that's not from your place. Like, open your home to them, bring them in. Like, there's this real big focus on that, but it's not so much an important priority for maybe us in this voting block. And it's like, well, why? Because it was a really big deal to the Bible, right? And again, doing it to the least of these is doing it unto him. Um Income inequality and distribution, that's an issue kind of, of of justice in the Old Testament, the balancing of scales, right? Um, I don't think any of us can debate that corporations kind of take advantage of people at times and big systems take advantage of people and certainly politics take advantage of people or at least the political structures can take advantage of people. And we should say, man, we really care about that because we care about just scales, but it's not in our top five. Um, let's see, what else is in here that I thought, oh, this is one that I thought, okay, this really should be our mission and it's not in our top five, unifying America, <laughs> which I, I, that sounds like such a tall order, but I go back to what is what are we called to do? To be peacemakers. I think what's tragic is we almost get on board with the other thing where we're agitators or we're instigators or we don't really think it's important to try to be a peacemaker with people we disagree with. We just want to highlight we disagree. And I go, that's so tragic because, again, the reason we're, we remain in this world to be everyday missionaries is to be everyday missionaries that are trying to sow peace, right? That's James chapter three, you know, and and I, I love it because if you sow peace, you you reap a harvest of righteousness. This idea of righteousness or justice or justness is about real flourishing for all people, right? Because that's ultimately the mission of God. It's to bring flourishing to the nations and we're the apparatus that he uses to bring flourishing to the nations. And the way then that happens is acting and thinking and being like Jesus. And then the way that happens is us being willing to be foolish enough to take Jesus at his word, do the things that he says, put those things in the priority structure that he prioritizes for us. And we live that out. And to the world, it's going to look reckless. It's going to look like what you're not very um, self-preserving or self-defending or self-focused. Like, right. Cause I follow a Jesus that said, I had to let all that go. I died to myself. I lived to him, right? I took up my cross and I do this daily. So I die to myself daily for the betterment of others, right? Because Jesus died for my betterment. So I can die to myself for the sake of bettering others. And, and I think that's what it came down to as I was reading through all of this stuff and looking at all the different things on the list. I thought there's things in the list that to me, at least, I go very kingdom, very Jesus, very least of these, 
Uh, and and then there's things in this list that he warned us about, like, hey, don't worry about money. Don't get all focused on it. Don't let it be your idol or your god. Uh, don't don't be all freaking out about it. Don't worry about you're gonna eat or wear or drink. You know, just worry about the kingdom and and bringing real justness in the world because that's what holiness is about. Love displayed and mercy and justness that comes out of Leviticus. So so I look at that and I go, that's to be how we're thinking. See, that's Christ-like thinking to me. Now, in the end, how does that how does that cause you to fill in the little bubbles on your ballot? I don't really care. <laughs> like that's my goal here is not to to like I think I said at the beginning, I'm not trying to convince anybody on quote how to vote. What I'm trying to use this as 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 a, as a tool, like a, an evaluation guide. It says do I seem to care about things that Jesus doesn't really care about? And do I care about the things that it seems he really does seem to care about? And is that reflected in the things that I do in my life of which one of those things is what drives my motives to then vote the way I do? Or what drives my emotions as an election season comes up? Because that's probably the deeper thing to me than even the bubbles you fill out on a ballot. Uh, It's the emotions in the season. Uh, if there is anger, if there is frustration, if there is fear, if there is animosity, if there is blame, if there's gossip and slander, like we all know all that's bad, right? Like it's all bad. So, you know, that's one of the things that always breaks my heart is when I see Christian candidates that resort to like brutal slander, because that's the only way you can win an election is by like just dogpiling and mudslinging your opponent. And I'm always just like, and this is why Christian candidates break my heart. Like, I would just love to see a Christian candidate. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to talk smack about them. I'm not going to run attack ads on them. I'm going to talk about the facts. I'll talk about those things. But it doesn't have to be like, they're the devil, you know. Um, you know, we, so I've been getting some of those texts lately about how, you know, candidate A is saying candidate B is killing our children. You know what I mean? <laughs> like literally, that's what up. Candidate B is killing our children. Here's how they're killing our children. And and some of the stuff I kind of laugh at too, right? Because it's like here you have these federal positions and they're blaming federal offices for local city problems, you know what I mean? And it's like hey man, it I I don't think those two quite cross in the way you think they cross, right? And so it's just like free-for-all slander season, you know? And and I go, but we think that's the only way we can get things done because to do it Jesus' way would be foolish. To do it Jesus' way would be naive. But Paul talks about that. He's like, yeah, it looks foolish. It looks silly. The world looks on and goes, that's dumb. But you know what? Every time Christians took that seriously, changed the world. And every time Christians don't take it seriously, the gospel fades, in that culture. It erodes, right? It's kind of that simple. And, and and so this is where, again, maybe I laid the challenge before us. Again, do I care how you vote? No. Do I care why you vote? The motives you vote with? Absolutely. Because I think Jesus does. And I think this becomes like a mirror. We can hold it up and say, where does my faith lie? Where does my fear lie? And if my fear lies in where the economy is going, if my fear lies in if this person gets elected, we're doomed. If my fear lies in border crises or whatever else, if we're not thinking about the human beings behind all of this, then I think our motives are a bit out of alignment with what Christ would have us to do. And I look and I go, I want to be most in alignment with him, whether I look like a fool or not, whether it makes sense to the world or not. Actually, I, I, I sometimes more fear my fellow Christians 
on this topic than I do the world around me. Because I, I, I think just sometimes we as Christians get too pulled into all of this and it becomes almost a part of our, our belief system. Like we all have to vote this way and think this way and and hold these particular ideas because that's truly Christian. And I, again, I look at this list and I go, I think there's some truly Christian things in the list, but they just didn't make our top five. And then the things that made our top five, I don't think they're really distinctly Christian. And now that's not the whole story. And again, I, I, I think you could care about all those financial things in a very godly way. You You can, if you're like, I want this, for others. But if it's, I want this for me, right? I just want my security, my safety, my savings, my prosperity. And, and it's not about the least of these, then I think that's, that's a little broken, right? I do think that's broken. So I'm sure I've really unified this tonight or today. I'm actually doing this podcast at night, this one, uh, which is rare. I usually do these in the day, but hey, it's the way it worked today. So anyway, enough's enough for that. I just wanted to make us think a little bit. I wanted to make myself think a little bit as I kind of looked at the list. Cause again, I've been talking about gas prices and everything else. And, you know, I've been sort of like, you know, oh man, everything's going up. And, you know, certainly even thinking about as a church building a building and the cost with all of that. And I can get a, a little bit nervous about it and a little freaked out and I get some chest pain and everything else. And then I'm reminded by Jesus saying, dude, dude, that's, that's on you, man. I told you not to worry about this stuff. I told you I got it handled, right? However, it turns out I got it handled. And so not only it, it, when I engage in that, is it sin? It's just not even healthy, you know? And so all the more, we're meant to be missionaries above all else, right? We're meant to have our priorities uh, in lockstep with Jesus's priorities. And we don't want to get all prioritized and our stuff more than his stuff so that what it all comes down to is our beliefs, are, again, these really high lofty concepts that we love to do Bible studies about, but our behaviors don't match up to the belief system. We want our behaviors and our beliefs to be synced up because that's the stuff of Jesus. And I think when that's the case, and then when things are hard, but we're still focused on him and we're not complaining and we're not fretting and we're not fearing, man, that's gospel territory. That's like that's like compelling stuff for disbelievers to have a front row seat to and go, wow, you're not just having a conniption fit. You're not going nuts over this stuff. And we're like, no, we're chill because we know God's in control. Like, I, I want to know about, more about that, right? I, I want to know a lot more about that. Or if we're saying, hey, I don't vote to secure myself. I vote for those who may not have the voice that I have, the resources that I have, the comforts that I have. I'm thinking about others and that's how I leverage my vote because that's what the good of the city is all about. I seek its welfare and when I get its welfare, I then receive welfare, right? That's that Jeremiah 29 stuff that I love so much, right? All of that is in there. And I think the more we're kind of committed to that, we're focusing on that, we're trying to do that, man, the more we will be unstoppable everyday missionaries.